Some of you are aware of this, that a little less than two weeks ago, a group of our men went to a fish fry. You know how we love our fish fries, us Baptists. We went to a men's fish fry at River Bend uh, Retreat Center, Glen Rose. We had 15 men go. We almost filled up that bus. We had a fun time. We enjoyed the food and the fellowship. Um, there, were, there was that moment where Lacey almost ran over his dad. I mean, that's, I wasn't supposed to mention that. Um, if, sorry about that. What's, what happened to the fish fry is supposed to stay at the fish fry. I broke the golden rule there. Um, I guess it's a good Sunday for your mom to be out because we didn't want Priscilla to know you almost killed your dad. You would be in major trouble if that happened. Uh, we, had, we had a good time. We really did have a good time. Um, the speaker that evening was a man named Jonathan Evans. Uh, he is a, a young pastor. He's also a chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys. And he's the son of a very well-known pastor in the area, Dr. Tony Evans, who pastors a mega church up around Dallas. And so it was good to, good to hear from this young man. And as he preached, though, he mentioned a lot of things that his father had taught him. In fact, he shared a quote that evening that came from his father. It wasn't his. He, his dad gave it to him. But it was so good. I mean, when he, when he said this quote, it was about faith, because he was, that was mainly his topic for the evening. He was about talking about Abraham had the faith to follow God, where God sent him. And as he mentioned faith, he said, let me give you this great quote on faith. And, and he said it, and you know, if you're ever listening to somebody, you get one of those really good things you want to hang on to. I mean, I just heard all the men around me that said, oh, yeah, that's good. And then the, the, the pastor said, now I'm going to say it again so you can write it down. And I looked around, and all the men are, in our group are doing this. I, you know, I don't have a Like, am I the only one that brought pen and paper to the fish fry? So I get my notebook out, and I open it up and get my pen, and he says again, and I'm writing it. Because I know that I'm going to get a call. I know I'm going to get a call. What did he say again? So I said, I better write it down. So I did. I put it. And I looked at it this morning. I got it in my notebook. And sure enough, we got home that night, and it was about 1030. The first text I get was from David Halbert. His text was, what did that guy say again? You know, like, well, he said a lot of stuff, you know. And I showed up, so I sent him a text back. I said, here's, I looked my notebook, and I typed it out for him. And, okay, great. And I came back to church the next night, which is a Wednesday, and a few of our men who came said, man, that was a great night last night. What did that guy say again? And so I said, okay, let me tell you. And, and I've been asked a few times, and I, it's so good, I, I kind of memorized it myself, and, you know, I was telling the guys. But I realized this week, just a couple of days ago, I was went back and looked at it, I wrote it down wrong. I'm serious. All you guys have been telling us to you, I wrote it down wrong. Okay, I wasn't far off. I missed one word. Okay, just one. Now, but I want to realize how important it is. In fact, so I'm going to show it to you because the quote's still good, but I'll show it to you the wrong way. This is how I wrote it down. This is how I've been telling our men. Let's put up the, this quote. It's on faith. Faith is believing that something is so, even when it is not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. Now, that's good by itself, right? I mean, that is a good definition of faith, is, is acting, you know, believing that it is already there, even when it's not, so that it will come to be because God promised it. I love it, how that was said. Now, what did I get wrong when I wrote this quote down, when I told everybody? I didn't realize it. Uh, again, just till very recently, when I went to go back and look at, went to Dr. Tony Evans and put this quote in, it popped up, and I said, man, I got a key word wrong in this quote. So whether you were there that evening or this is the first time you heard it, let me give you the correct version. Here we go. Put up the second one. 
Faith is acting like something is so, even when it is not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. That's a direct quote from Dr. Tony Evans. Now, he said, great, that's not a big deal. You put believing instead of acting. Well, you're, you're right, but let me tell you, that is a huge difference. In fact, recently we've been talking about not just faith, but we've been talking about faith and expectation. Not just believing that God can do all things, but with expectation, acting like, operating in the knowledge that God is going to fulfill His promises. I mean, faith by itself, a simple faith that is just believing in, in what God can do. I mean, it's where we all start. I don't want to knock that kind of faith. We all come to God with that just simple faith of, I believe uh, God can do anything. But our faith is matured. We are deepened as Christians when we move from faith alone to faith and expectation, from just believing that something will be so to acting like something is so even when it is not so, so that it will be so because God said so. Acting in that manner is a, is a huge difference toward our faith. It's not walking around and saying, I hope this will work out. I know God can if He chooses, if He will. I don't know. Hopefully He does. But acting like something is so because God said it to be so. Faith and expectation. That's where we began a couple weeks ago. We, we brought this out of understanding to have faith and expectation. Now, last Sunday, if you were here, we, we took it a little step further. We, we talked about obstacles of expectations. We talked about the things that we do, the things that are around us that are faith killers, the things that keep us from operating in a, in a mode of faith and expectation. We talked about our sinfulness, when we hang on to a sinful heart. We talked about um, forsaking the fellowship. We said when we don't have the, the things of God, the Word of God, and the people of God around us on a regular basis, we're hurting ourselves, and it's a faith killer. And we talked about doubts. We realize that everybody has doubts, but when we let them overwhelm us, when we let the doubt control us, it's a faith killer. We talked about the obstacles of expectation. Now, we're going to kind of take it a little further. We're going to combine these two things this morning. We've looked at, again, faith and expectations. We talk about the things that get in our way. But we're going to take another step further this morning in our message of faith and expectation going through the series is this, examples of expectation. Now, some of you are wondering, Greg, I've got it. You're thinking, I've heard enough. You spent two Sundays already about faith and expectation. I don't need another one. And I'm just, just to warn you, I'm going to tell, talk about this another couple of Sundays. You're saying, are you, you're wondering if I think you don't get it, you're not smart or something. That's not it. This is so huge. This is so pivotal to the life of the believer to, to operate in not just faith, but to operate in faith and expectation that we're going to spend some time on it. Because, here's why, friends. I believe that some of you are facing some pretty big challenges, obstacles in your personal life or in your family, or at your job, or in your finances, or in some other thing, and you need to be operating in not just faith alone, but faith and expectation, not just believing that of what God said will be so, but acting as if it'll be so. Some of you need this in your own personal lives. 
But here's another thing. Here's another reason why I'm telling you this. Here in two Sundays, in fact, two weeks from today, our fifth Sunday, I've already been telling you about a special meeting. I've said, make sure you're here. Try to be. It's going to be awesome. If you miss the service, listen to it online afterwards. It's going to be important. Because that morning, there'll be a part of our service that morning where you are going to be challenged with something. I remember I told you, challenge is not a bad thing. To be challenged... It pushes us out of where our comfort zone is. That's good. I'm going to challenge you with something awesome, something difficult. But I'm going to put it before you. I'm not going to, this is the preview. This is hope maybe you go, hmm, maybe I should come that Sunday. I'm not going to tell you what it is now, but we're going to be talking about a lot of things. But I'm going to put something before you that is a challenge. And I want you to meet that challenge, not with, eh, we'll see, but with faith and expectation. I want to put something before you as a church family that you look at and say, I will meet that with the faith God has given me and I will act, I will operate in an expectant manner and heart. So that's why I want you to understand faith and expectation. But let me tell you this as well. On the very same morning that I'm going to put a challenge before you, put a goal before you, put something to go aim for, in the very same morning, because I already know some of that's going to be brought up, you're going to be faced with some obstacles. I'm talking as a, as a church. You may be dealing with some of this individually, but we're going to deal with the church. Obstacles are not bad things either. You just have to know how to deal with them. And I don't want you to go, all right, here's a great goal, but oh, that's an obstacle. I don't want to climb over that. No, I want you to say, I'm going to meet with faith and expectation. I am going to expect that obstacles are going to come, but I'm going to meet it with the same type of attitude. I don't want you to get knocked down. We're going to be living these things and seeing these things in our own personal lives, in our home life, and in our church life. So forgive me for drilling down on this a little bit and repeating myself somewhat because it's useful and important for us to meet the challenges that are before us with faith and expectation. So this morning, we're just going to take some examples. We're going to look in Scripture of, of two individuals who had interaction with Christ, and you're going to see how their faith and expectations and how they dealt with obstacles are good examples for you and I today. So this morning, we find ourselves in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. We're going to look at some verses you've probably heard before, which is okay. We're going to hear about two healings that Christ did, two miraculous works but I want you to see the individuals involved and their faith as it came forth. Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 42. Let's hear this passage about what Jesus did. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and she had spent all she had yet instead of getting better she grew worse 
When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you? His disciples answered. And yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, Some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Again, I know most of you are pretty familiar with those passages and the the story of these two individuals being healed. You know, Scripture seems to tell us, in fact, it does point out to us, there's a lot uh, unrecorded about the life of Jesus. We're told that Jesus did many more things, performed many more miracles, said many other things that was never written down. It kind of makes you think, why were certain things preserved? Why was God's plan for for certain healings, certain teachings, certain interactions to be preserved for you and I and others not? We're told that if we try to fill up all the things that he had done or said, we we couldn't do it. We didn't have enough pages. Makes me wonder what's so special about the ones we have written down. You get to this example, you see really two people. You see Jairus, the synagogue leader, who's got the sick daughter. And you have the unclean woman. I call her unclean because in that day, any number of diseases made you, in the eyes of the people of the Jewish leaders, unclean. And you couldn't go to... You couldn't go to church. You couldn't go to the synagogue. You couldn't go take part in the festivals and feasts. And you couldn't go up to the temple. And this woman was one of those people who continued to suffer from a disease. And she was considered unclean by so many people. You have these two individuals here. And when you see the binding element of why these are written down for you and I to see today is their faith. In fact, I'll tell you this, it's not just their faith, it's their faith and expectation. It's they operated in their faith. 
They didn't just see Jesus from afar and say, you know, I believe he could heal me if he wanted to, but it's up to him. They operated in the belief and the knowledge, the faith that Jesus could do something miraculous. They took action. They went after it. And we see what happens. These are great examples for us this morning. They operate in faith and expectation. They dealt with obstacles to their faith. But we still see them healed. So let's look at them. Let's see what Scripture kind of... Let's get a little more detail of the examples before us. Look at Jairus first. Now Jairus has two major things going on in his life. One is he's a ruler in the synagogue. Let me tell you why this is important. There were Jewish men. There were leaders and there were rulers in a synagogue each synagogue had two rulers it was a high position of authority and prominence and respect and and jairus was up there in, in his community and how people saw him and knew him anybody who lives in that kind of status you're going to be watched in what you do now already even those early in jesus ministry there's a lot of people the establishment who did not like Jesus. What he stood for, what he preached, how he, how he healed. Because it, it messed up their idea of what faith uh, and living for God should be. They had created the system of rules and regulations and just do it my way and you'll be fine. And Jesus came and he messed all that up. And Jairus, he's coming here with this position, this authority of what people see of him. Now, he's also got another thing going on in his life, right? It's not a good thing. It's a terrible thing. He's got a sick child, a very sick child. And every parent here knows that when a child is sick, it overrides everything else that's going on in your life. You don't care about your reputation. You don't care about anything else going on. I will do anything to make my child well. You'll, you'll spend any money you have. You'll go to the farthest ends of the earth. If there is somebody who says they can heal and fix the problem, you'll do it. It's apparent you're responsible for that child. And here is this respected Jewish leader, but he's got a sick daughter, and he says, I will go anywhere to see that she lives. And we know she's right on, on death's door. In fact, she dies in the middle of the passage, doesn't she? He is, I, I will do anything. So he doesn't care about how people see him anymore. He doesn't care that other Jewish leaders aren't wanting you to mess with Jesus, talk with Jesus, and go with Jesus. He's saying, if it, if it heals my daughter, I will. But I want you to notice something about how when Jairus comes to Jesus, he didn't just come out of desperation. So we can kind of understand that. He was, you know, I'll go to any healer, any any person out there I, I think will help. He didn't say this. He didn't bring his daughter or come before Jesus and say, you know, can you do this? Or I hope that you might. What do you say? He said, come, place your hand on her so that she will be healed and live. Somehow, through means we don't know, somehow God revealed to this man that Jesus was the truth and Jesus was the healer and that if he would place his hand on this daughter, if he would choose to heal her, it's done. And when Jairus understood this, he operated in faith and expectation. He didn't come to Jesus and said, I hope you can. 
is it possible that you might? He says, please come, because I know if you come and you put your hand on here, she will live. That's faith. That's expectation. He didn't get into a debate with Jesus. He didn't say, you know, is it possible? You come, please come, because you can do it. Nobody else can. He took action. He didn't just sit around praying, saying, God, make sure Jesus comes to my house. Jairus said, I'm going to go get in touch with the source of power. I'm going to go find him. I'm going to go tell him I have faith that he can do these things. But friends, this put Jairus outside of his comfort zone, didn't it? It put him outside of his comfort zone. Can you imagine what some of his friends thought of what he was doing? Oh, Jairus, just go send her to the doctors like everybody else does. Just handle this way. Don't go to this, this crazy guy, Jesus, over here. What will people think of you, you elder, you ruler? But Jairus operate in faith and expectation. Friends, I want to tell you this, that faith and expectation is best produced and matured in uncomfortable and even painful situations. If you sit around trying to stay in your comfort zone of life and faith, you will not see a deepening of your faith and expectation. It comes when you're forced to step out of the boat and Jesus says, you can walk on that water. It's it's forced in you when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? When he asks you, do you believe that I can do this? When it puts you in the uncomfortable position, that's when faith and expectation blossoms forth. It doesn't happen just sitting at home doing the same old thing. God is perfectly happy putting you outside of your comfort zone. I want you to know that. You know, we like to make this picture of God that he won't ever do anything that's hard for us. He won't ever make us uncomfortable. His job is just to make my life Perfect, like God's the thermostat. We just want him to sit on 72 and don't move in one degree or the other. God, just keep it right here. This is why I like life. Don't, nuh-uh. Don't, it's getting too hot here. God, you listening to me? Go back to where I want you to be. God doesn't operate that way. He will turn up the heat in your life so that you will come and say, I have faith and I have expectation. Now, I want you to leave Jairus for a moment because that's what the passage does we kind of get the first scene with him of him coming saying Jesus come I have faith I believe you just come put your hand on my daughter she'll be healed and Jesus all right let's go but what happens along the way we see the unclean woman 12 years she suffered in fact she's gotten worse under the doctor she has sought every other way to be free you got to understand, not only is she dealing with physical pain and discomfort, she has been ostracized from her social group. She has been told she is not right with God. She's, all these things are against her. She has a desperation to be healed. But in some way, God communicates to her and says, this right here is a source of power. I love this scene because even the disciples admit everybody's around Jesus. They're bumping into him. They're touching. They're putting their hands out there. Hey, Jesus, look over here. He's in the midst of a crowd. But what was the difference of this one woman from everybody else? She says, I know that if I just even can touch his clothes, I will be healed. You're telling me nobody else in that crowd that was jostling around Jesus needed something, wanted something? 
had some ailment, some issue in their life they wanted Jesus to fix. But they're just, they're just the crowd, right? This woman says, I know that is faith and expectation. I know that if I can just touch his cloak, if I can just grab the, the hem of his garment because it belongs to this man, I will be healed. Faith and expectation. She grabs it and she's healed. And then something awesome but challenging and uncomfortable happens. Jesus turns around and says, who did that? Who touched me? And disciples say, Jesus, you're crazy. Everybody's touching you. No, somebody did it different. Now, you tell me Jesus needed to ask the question, who did it? If he is God as man, did Jesus really need to ask publicly, who touched me? I mean, he knew supernaturally that power had gone out of him. You think he doesn't know who touched him? He asked the crowd, who touched me? And notice the woman, she hesitates, doesn't she? You know, she's, after enough time, she comes forward and she bows before Jesus, trembling with fear, it says. It says, here's what I did. I grabbed your garment. I, I knew I'd be healed. And she tells him the story, right? What was Jesus' response? Your faith has healed you. Go and be free. Let me ask you a question. I don't know the answer to this, but let me pose a question to you. What if th- this woman had never spoken up? Do you think she would have still been healed? She had grabbed the garment, and she had been healed, healed at that moment. But if she had never spoken up to Jesus' question, do you think she would have stayed healed? Now, I'm going to admit, I'm a student of the Scripture, and I don't know the answer to that. I don't know for sure. But it seems to be that the permanence of that healing did not come until she spoke up. And whether that's the case or not, here's the obstacle this woman faced. Am I willing to be public with my faith? Do you hear me? Faith and expectation, operating in what you believe God is going to do, when you're acting like it is so, even when it is not so, simply so it will be so, simply because God said so, when you're in that manner, it's not a private thing. God said, don't be ashamed of the gospel, and of the name of Jesus Christ. And guess what? When you stand in front of other people and say, I have faith and expectation that my God will do this, you're going to get laughed at. Sorry to tell you. They laughed at Jesus. There will be some people who will call you crazy, who won't understand you for a moment. They will call you fools. The Bible says as a Christian, you should be willing to take the name of fool gladly. Part of our faith and expectation is it is to be of a public nature. Because is it really faith if we just keep the secret inside of us? I believe this, God. I know you'll do this, but I'm not going to tell anybody that I believe that you'll do this. Is that operating in faith and expectation? The woman received the healing because she knew if I just touch him, if I just come with that seeking healing out of Christ, I'll get it. But she had to be willing to step up in front of everybody and admit, here's what I've done. I'm I'm healed today because I had faith that I would be healed. 
Some of that's, that, that may be challenging to some of you this morning. You're saying, I have faith God can do this in my life. Maybe it's a healing. It's a provision. It's something. I have faith in God can do it. I'm trying to operate in the expectation that God will do it. But I'm not going to tell anybody. I don't want to be made a fool of. Doesn't work that way, friends. Hate to this isn't this isn't what Greg said. This is the examples we see in Scripture. Faith is not meant to be hidden under the basket. We're light shine before all men. We see this example in the obstacles you face. Now I want you quickly, quickly just. We're going to pick up back with Jairus, right? I love how one healing kind of sits in the middle of another one. It's a, it's a healing sandwich, right? you got healing part one, healing, healing part two. I love it. It's great. I want a healing sandwich today. That's what I want for lunch today. All right. Healing sandwich from the Lord. All right. See, somebody's wanting that. Somebody's awake. Thank goodness. All right. Now, we'll pick up with Jairus. What happens? As soon as this little scene with this woman finishes... Some friends come, hey, Jairus, I'm sorry. Your daughter is dead. What they say next is highly important. It says, don't bother the teacher anymore. But actually, a lot of people believe what it means in the language is, don't bother with this teacher anymore, with Jesus. Don't bother with him. They're kind of already questioning while while he's talking to this, this guy named Jesus. Who, this country bumpkin from Nazareth, you know? Don't bother with him anymore. It doesn't even matter. Your daughter is dead. What does Jesus say? Don't doubt. Don't listen. Don't pay attention. Don't go there. Don't be afraid. Believe. Have faith. This was this man's obstacle. Right? I told you first, he was willing to seek Jesus. He had the faith in Jesus. He didn't really care about his reputation. But now that kind of all back on the table. His daughter has died. His, all his friends, they were there. They saw it. Your daughter's dead. Don't bother with this guy anymore. You keep going that way, you're going to look foolish. Don't bother with it. Jesus says, do you still have that faith? Do you still have that expectation? Then follow me. The man faced a decision at that moment. And the example we have here this morning is he chose the right path. He continued to operate in his faith and expectation. And Jesus gets to the house, and they're mourning, and they're wailing, and says, uh-uh, this girl's not dead, she's asleep. That was a euphemism for death, but he's saying, no, this death is not this final thing that you think that it is. And what did he do? They laughed at him, and notice what happened. He tossed them out. All the people that were refusing to operate in faith and expectation over the situation, he said, get out of here. Get out of my presence. You're not going to be here, you doubters. And he went in, and he took the parents with their faith, and he took a few disciples with their faith, and he said, when simple words, girl, get up. He healed. Because of the the dad's faith and expectation. Weren't there plenty of times where the dad could have given in to the peer pressure, the doubts, the mocking, the whatever? No, he wasn't going to do it. He operated in faith and expectation. And he saw his daughter come back to life. 
and we struggle with saying that all things are possible with God? I mean, we can say it, but do we believe it? And are we really operating in it? Hmm. Brother, put that quote back up, the correct version of it for us this morning. Put it back up for us if we can look at it one more time. Not the one I got wrong, because I was writing too fast, but the correct version. Now, this is just a man's word, expression of faith, but I love it. Faith is acting like something is so. Even when it is not so, and that's when the people make fun of you and tell you you're crazy because it's not there. In order that it might be so, why? Because God said so. Not that you made it up. Not you just going to claim whatever and just says, I want that. I'm just going to operate that I have it. Friends, listen to me now. I think you get this, but you can't walk out of there and say, I'm just going to act like I've won the lottery. You're going to be in trouble real soon because God didn't say so. You take what God said, and even when it is not here today, you're a operate and to act as though it is because you know it's coming and you're going to have obstacles and there's things that are going to hit you and you're going to face that crisis moment do i keep following christ do i keep trusting in and acting like this thing is coming or do i give in i give in to the doubt i give in to the fear If God promised, live like it. Live like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, because God said so. That is faith and expectation. Friends, I'm going to ask again, forgive me if I'm saying the same thing over and over, but sometimes we need to hear this over and over. If I'm preaching to you twice as much as I'm preaching to myself, because you know what? When I face the challenge, it is so easy for me to not operate in faith and expectation. It's so easy for me to say, well, I believe God could do this, and real quietly say, I don't know if he is, though. Instead of saying, if God said it's going to be, I'm going to go ahead and operate it as though it is, no matter what anybody says about it. That is hard. That is a sign of maturity in the believer, that you're growing. I know you don't start out this way. The person who comes to God just comes with that simple faith. I believe that these things by faith of who God is. But when you grow, it is by these means. Operating in the promises of God, even before they are here. So what's the challenge that you're facing today? I told you, yes, church, I mean it, that in a couple of weeks we're going to be talking about some of this before us as a church whole. Some goal, some challenge, some obstacles. It's okay, I want you to know how to meet it. But what are you facing now? What's going on in your life that is, that is tough to deal with, that has taken you outside of your comfort zone, that you know God has spoken a word over, that you have a scripture to go to and says, here's God's promise over this, but you're operating instead in fear. 
Or maybe what's the thing in your life that you say, you said, God, I believe and I'll operate in this, but I'm not going to tell anybody I believe this. You know why we do an invitation time at the end? It's not so that I can stand up and say, you know, go to my other pastor friends and say, hey, guess how many people came forward in my service this week? That's not why we do it. It gives you an opportunity, whether it's with me or somebody else, another leader or a friend, to go and say, here's what God is telling me to do today, and I've just got to tell somebody else. So you don't live in, in just your own little bubble, that your faith is just this private, quiet thing. If God is saying, do this and go here, that you will tell someone that that is operating in faith and expectation. I know the, the, the enemy coming to you and says, you'll be made a fool of if you tell anybody else that this is what you're believing in. Well, get ready for you not to experience the promise of God. Because guess what? He will let you stay where you are. He would have... Abraham could have said, no, God, I'm too old, I'm too tired, I ain't getting up to go to a land that I don't even know where it is yet. And God would have let him stay right there. We wouldn't be singing about Father Abraham today. And it goes for true for all other giants of faith in the Bible. Not that they were perfect, but they operated in faith and expectation, meaning doing it. What do you need to share with somebody else today? What do you need to commit to today? Whether that is being a part of a church, whether that's entrusting your children or your job or your finance or any number of things to what God's plan is and operating as though he's already fulfilled it because he's promised to do it. That's a big difference, friends. It is not easy. I don't want to pretend like it is. But you've got a whole lot of people just right around. You've got friends and church family that will walk with you even though the enemy is trying to tell you something different, not one of us are going to laugh at you or kick you out or think you a fool for believing in the promises of God. I want you to treat this time right now like Jesus is saying, who is coming after me? Speak up. He's putting the question out. You want to touch the source of power? You want that healing, you want that provision, you want that promise? Who is doing it? Are you going to stay silent? Are you going to cry out no matter who's there? It is I, I am coming after the promises of God by the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house hear of your word, to see these great examples of living by faith and expectation. We need these examples and encouragement. God, this is what some of us are here for this moment. We need to be encouraged to operate in a manner of faith and expectation. To stop just standing around saying that we believe all things are possible, but to act like they are. To know what your promises are and to go live in it before we ever see it. People who do so are the giants of the faith. God, I want this church filled with giants. I don't need a bunch of perfect people. None of us are. 
God, but I ask you to move in our hearts to make this congregation, this body of believers, a group of people who, without care or concern for what the fleshly world would say to us or how the enemy would attack us, we would not only believe, but we would act upon your promises and your word. We would know when you're speaking, and we would move in that without fear or hesitance or trepidation, that we would be expecting the obstacles when they come, and we'll beat them back in the name of Jesus Christ by the word of God. We will not let them stand. God, thank you for this. God, don't let us operate alone. There are people here this morning that just, they're trying to pursue you in their daily life. They're trying to grasp a hold of that promise you've given, but they're not sharing it with one other person. They're afraid. God, let them know that fear does not come from you, but it comes from the enemy. Yeah, they're worried about because their timing hasn't matched up with your timing so far. Now, that's okay. You don't live in our time. You're not constricted by it like we are. You can operate how you want, when you want. We've got to be okay with that. God, if, if I've got to sit in the desert for 40 years, until I'm to the place that I'm willing to respond to you, just like you did with Moses, God, let it be so. But don't let me walk away from believing and operating in the promises you have made. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the challenges. We thank you for the opportunities that are before us. We pray for our church family, whether here or absent. God, that you would do mighty things through us. God, as we mentioned last week, you're not... You're not some attendance-taking God that you're saying, well, I make sure if you, if you missed one time, you're in trouble. No, but God, don't let us force, uh, don't let us get in the habit of forsaking the fellowship. That's when we start to get in trouble, God. So God, this morning, we can encourage those friends of ours, whether they're here or not. We can reach out and say, get back. Come on, can't wait to see you next time. As soon as you get to feeling better, as soon as you get back down, well, come on, because the church of God, we are the body of Christ. We're working on this together. Thank you, God. God, I pray in these next moments, you put the challenge directly in our hearts. You would speak with might and power and ask each of us, who comes seeking my name? Who comes believing in my promises? God, by the power of the Spirit, put that so clearly on each one of us. Challenge us, God. God, I don't like to do this, but I pray that you make every single one of us in this room uncomfortable. Take us out from where we just want to be so we might enjoy the promise that is ahead. Don't let us get comfortable. God, push on us. Turn the heat up so that we might be moved to respond to you. So just let us come this morning with faith 
and expectation. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. 